This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, have you ever wondered what a rainbow tick means? You might find organisations proudly displaying their rainbow tick on their websites or elsewhere. Um, we thought we'd take an opportunity to find out more about the rainbow tick and the process around it with uh, Julie Watson, program manager for Rainbow Tick and Silver Rainbow, who joins us on the line now. Morena, Julie, good to have you with us. Good morning, Jeff. Great to be here. How would you describe what uh, the purpose of Rainbow Tick is? Um, maybe if I just went back in time and just talked a little bit about the genesis of the program in Aotearoa. So I work for um, uh, an iwi organisation that mostly provides mental health support, um, although we have moved into housing as well, um, you know, housing first and transitional housing. Um, so we had a contract from the Auckland DHB to do education around mental health for rainbow people in the area and one of the people who was working on that program went to our CEO and said, you know, I think one of the things that really negatively affects people's mental health who are rainbow or lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, takatapoi, um, intersex, asexual, you know, to, to use the whole um, acronym, is um, how they get treated at work. And if we could make workplaces um, safe and welcoming for people from rainbow communities, I think it would really help their overall mental health. And our CEO has a very wide view of um, what is a a mental health intervention or what um, promotes good mental health. And she said, okay, um, the organisation will support you to get this started and we'll see how it goes. And so it started with one person with a vision, and that was um, Michael Stevens, and then it's grown to, you know, we have nearly 150 organisations now and um, employ seven people to do this work. So what an organisation has to do is um, they have to really take a look at a whole lot of their processes and um, things like their policies and procedures, are they inclusive of rainbow people? Um, you know, how how is your parental leave policy written, for example? Is it only written in a kind of really heterosexual or, or cis-normative way? Or does it include every way that people now have families? So, you know, that would be one example of a policy that you'd look at. You also look at the education that you're providing for your staff um, and, you know, who is turning up to that education and who isn't. Um, How you let other organisations know about the work that you're doing. How you let potential recruits, you know, people who are wanting to come and work in your organisation, how do you let them know what they can expect? So, you know, you're letting rainbow people know that they can expect to come to a um, safe and welcoming place but you're also letting other people know we have a standard of behaviour here that you're expected to um, take on board and um, if, if that's not for you then maybe this workplace isn't for you as well. So 
I imagine, Julie, the start of this whole process would have been a very significant part of the work. There would have been a great deal of consultation going on about about what the right questions to ask would be of any organisation and and the right standards to, to, to expect. Yes, and and at the beginning there was an advisory group who um, Michael met with, and um, you, you know they had a lot of input and looked at what he was doing, and you know said different things. I I remember, you know, I wasn't there at the start, but one of the stories that Michael tells is that um, there's one one person who was very adamant that. Um, that you had to keep going back and checking on people, so we go back annually. And also, if you were to give a rainbow tick, you had to also have a process to be able to take it away if this organisation wasn't meeting its obligations or if it went backwards. And um, fortunately, we haven't been in that situation, but we have had some very hard conversations with some of our organisations over time because some some of our organisations have, like Rainbow Tick is eight years old now, so some of our organisations have been going through this for nearly eight years and and we're always looking for consistent improvement across yeah. all our organisations. And I imagine within those eight years for some organisations those have, that has involved some major changes, structural changes, all those very stressful processes where, <clears throat> you know, perhaps uh, when you're not at your best, you can let your guard down a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that happens. Um, people might let their guard down. They might tell an off joke. Um, but one of the things that um, we do in our education sessions, because every organisation who is a member organisation is entitled to a yearly allocation of education. And we call those education sessions guided conversations. So we take that we take the group of people in front of us in the direction that they want to go in and where their interest is or where the gaps are. But one of the things that we do in the education is talk really strongly about bystander responsibility. Like if you hear that, off joke. If you hear somebody doing a bit of a rave because they've let their guard down and you know that it's not right and you do nothing, you're actually kind of colluding with that person and um, you you have a responsibility to speak up, um, to to challenge that behaviour. And there's different ways you can do that. You can do it, you know, right then and there in the moment or you know, if that's going to be career limiting or you don't feel that the person's ego can withstand that, you might want to call it in and go and talk to them individually and then also go and talk to the person who was at the receiving end of that off comment. But yeah, bystander responsibility and, and growing that, that muscle is a really important part of working in a rainbow tick organisation. The focus on Rainbow Tick has, has been for workplaces, but of course uh, in the past eight years there have been huge societal changes as well. Your expectation yeah. and hope would be that, that what's going on in workplaces is being reflected elsewhere in the community? Absolutely, and we've definitely seen that. Um, we know that when we get new organisations now, most of them are coming in at a much more sorted out level than they were eight years ago. 
Um, but also, you know, Jeff, it, it depends where in the land you are. Um, you know, like if you're in a centre of a big metropolitan city, there's kind of different attitudes to when you move move to the smaller centres. Um, where people aren't talking about this so much. And it also depends on where you draw your workforce from. Like you might have people coming to work in your organisation who've come from countries where it's illegal to be rainbow. It's um, something that's never, ever discussed. You certainly wouldn't be hearing about it in the school classroom, you know, from a teacher. And... Um, and so if you have a lot of people in your workforce who are new to Aotearoa and who haven't been used to having those conversations, um, yeah, yeah, there's work that still needs to be done for those people. I imagine, Julie, that you want organisations to approach rainbow tick accreditation for the right reasons. In other words, not just a tick. Well, yeah, Jeff, there's this kind of perception out there a bit that you pay your money, you get your tick, and gee, you know, I wish it kind of sometimes, I wish it was like that because it would make our job a lot easier. It's a really rigorous process that they go through each organisation to get the tick. You know, some organisations can take up to three years to get themselves in, in the right shape for us to say, yep, we're accredited accrediting you to a minimum standard but also for every organisation we're looking for that upward progression continuously and if we're not seeing that that's some some hard conversations to be having. So tell us a little bit more about the accreditation process. How does it work? Um, there's a kind of um, two pillars to it. So first off there's usually somebody from people and culture or HR or or maybe it's a person with lived rainbow experience who's really um, pushing for this to happen in their organisation. So there's, there's usually one or a small group of people who take responsibility for preparing the audit material. And so um, we have 19 different questions over five different categories and people have to answer those questions and give us evidence. Um, so so that's that. that that's the kind of paper audit but a really key part of finding out what it's like in an organisation and finding out how the organisation is progressing over time is to run focus groups and so we come into the organisation and we gather people and ask them questions and we also ask that we can speak to people um, who have lived experience of being part of rainbow communities separately to um, the other group so that they feel really free to say how it is for them and, and also for the other group to be free to, to speak to without fear of offending anybody. Julie, does that process look the same for an organisation of six people uh, as opposed to 600? Um, obviously it's going to be um, a little bit different, like with six, six people, um, you know, you might not even have anybody who identifies as rainbow when there's six people, but often you do, and um, and and so that process um, might be, you know, just meeting with everybody. Um, and if there's 600 or, you know, 15,000, because I've got... Um, New Zealand Defence Force is one of my clients. Um, 
you need to run more you, you, and you also need to think about um, how you're going to get all the different divisions. So if, if we take NZDF as an example, we have sworn and non-sworn, we have um, Army, Navy, Air Force um, and we have people stationed right through the country. When, when COVID first hit and we had to do so much online, you know, we were kind of like, how do we do this? We've never done this before. But we've kind of worked out that running a focus group online is kind of quite good because you can get people from all over the country um, meeting together on one screen and, you you, you, you know, everybody's got their, their face there in a little square and... We've found that that is a way that we've been able to get a more thorough cross-section for some of our organisations. What do organisations who have successfully been through the accreditation process and retained their rainbow tick tell you about the difference it has made, the benefits for their organisation? Um, yeah, so there's, there's so many. Um, people talk about being able to come to work authentically as a, themselves. And, you know, for some people, it's those, that eight hours in a workday, that's the only time in their life that they can be their authentic self. You know, for family or cultural reasons, they can't be open about who they are. At least they can be at work. Um, people have talked about understanding things more about what it's like for a person who transitions in the workplace and so you know somebody who's assigned a sex at birth but um, grows up knowing that that's not the gender that that they are and um, one of the things that we ask our workplaces to have is a policy and you know what's going to happen if if I decide to um, go to my manager and say I want to start the transition process um, my manager is able to say, oh, congratulations, that's fantastic. Um, let me just go get the policy and we'll work through it and, and hear what you need and what you want from us. Whereas prior to that, that was like, say what? And um, people often had no idea what the person was talking about. Um, we've seen, um, and people have told us how excellent it is that they can have people um, ask them their pronouns and use them correctly, particularly for people who are non-binary, who are using they, them pronouns. We hear from our people that it's so great that there's an all-gender bathroom that they can go to in their workplace now. Um, and one group of people that we weren't kind of thinking about so much but have really um, appreciated their organisation being a rainbow tick organisation are parents of children who are, you know, um, questioning their gender or um, questioning their sexuality or, or no, but um, these parents seek support within the workplace and increasingly we are finding they um, are identifying as part of the rainbow communities within workplaces because of that close connection with their whanau. Just briefly, Julie, uh, you also run Silver Rainbow Accreditation. What's that? Yeah, so, um, and, and also if I feel I need to say, I'm not like the program manager of um, Rainbow Tech. 
um, we all have that title, so um, there's a number of us. However, I am the um, Program Manager for Silver Rainbow, which is how I first came into the organisation. So that's a completely different program, and it's focused on aged care, and it's focused on the people, on educating the people who work there to provide a sensitive and understanding service for rainbow people who are going into aged care environments. Julie Watson, it's been wonderful to talk with you. Um, a million other questions, but not enough time. Um, if someone wants to find out more about Rainbow Tick or Silver Rainbow, what should they do? Oh, just... Um just email us, um, info at rainbowtick.co.nz. Um, and if it's about Silver Rainbow, just put that in the email and that will get to me. Julie, thanks for joining us here on ORFM. Thank you very much, Jeff. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.